Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Well, friends, we've come to the end of the liturgical year. It's the last Sunday of this liturgical year of 2007. It's the Feast of Christ the King. I always think of this feast day as like a liturgical procession. The most important figure comes at the end of the liturgical procession as the bishop comes in. So now at the end of this long liturgical year, Christ the King enters. Our first reading is taken from the second book of Samuel. It has to do with David. David is, I'd say, after Abraham and Moses, the most important figure in the Old Testament. We know the first Christians read Jesus relentlessly in terms of the Old Testament. You'll find this phrase over and over again, katatagrapha. It's Greek for according to the writings, according to the scripture. When they sought to understand him, to make sense of who he was and what he did, they looked not to philosophy, not to other cultures. They looked to their own world, and that meant the Bible. They search the Bible. They scan the Bible to find anticipations of Jesus, types of Jesus, figures that anticipated, reminded them of Jesus. Well, one of these figures is David. They saw Jesus as the new David, the perfect David. Well, how come? Well, you know, the shepherd boy who went unarmed out to meet the mighty Goliath, that spoke to them of Christ, the good shepherd, who went out unarmed to meet the powers of sin and death. But above all, they saw in the kingship of David a foreshadowing of Christ, David the king. Our first reading is about the kingship of David. We learn that David... After the death of Saul, entered into a long military and political struggle. A kind of civil war broke out in Israel after Saul's death. Eventually, the representatives and champions of Saul's party were killed, and David emerged as the one who could lead all of Israel, all the tribes. Our first reading recounts the moment when at Hebron, the leaders of all the tribes came to David and proposed that he become their king. Listen. When all the elders of Israel came to David in Hebron, King David made an agreement with them there before the Lord, and they anointed him king of Israel. Now, we might be tempted to say, well, that's an interesting tidbit of ancient Middle Eastern history. But why are we bothering with it now? Well, we have to realize that this crowning of David was not just politically or historically interesting. It was theologically 
interesting. As I've said now many times, Israel in the Bible was meant to be the people who would witness to the nations the way of God. They would be a priestly people, a holy people, properly gathered, worshiping the true God in faith. They would function as a magnet to the nations. What undermined Israel, however, was its own sin. And we see it up and down the Bible. Their own sin led to divisions, squabbles, struggles, civil wars. The tribes were not united properly under one king. And this was not simply a political problem. This was a religious and theological problem. And this is why when David emerges as a strong figure, And all the tribes come to him and say, you be our king. Something spiritually important is going on. Because now the hope is this gathered Israel can fulfill its mission. Importantly, too, in this reading, David becomes the Mashiach, the anointed one. The Messiah, if you will. He's anointed king. And then as the story unfolds, the story of David and his son Solomon, Israel does enter into a period of unprecedented glory and political power, becoming effectively an empire that was beginning to gather nations unto itself. Under Solomon, the temple is built, and nations continue to stream toward Israel. It looks as though its mission is being fulfilled under this king. Then what happens? Ah, what always seems to happen. Sin intervenes. Is David a sinner? Absolutely. And the Bible is very clear about it. The adultery with Bathsheba, the murder of Bathsheba's husband. There's something ruthless and desperate, bloody about David. Solomon? Yes, he was an idolater. He betrayed the God of Israel. And so, just as it seemed... The vocation of Israel was being realized under the leadership of these great kings. It was undermined. What followed from this? Oh, and the Bible is so insistent upon it. What followed was the dissolution of the tribes. First, the nation breaks up. The northern kingdom, the ten tribes, break off from the southern kingdom. And then the Assyrians come and they carry off the ten tribes into diaspora, into exile. In time, Babylon comes and carries the southern tribes off into exile. Israel is defeated by its enemies. It's divided, and thereby it's lost its theological purpose and power. But yet, the prophets of Israel dreamed and hoped and prophesied that one day a new David would arise. One day, a new king, listen, a new Mashiach, anointed one, would unite the tribes. He would gather Israel and thereby gather the nations. They began to long for a king in the manner of David, a king after the heart of David. 
With that background in mind, and the first reading is meant to call all that to mind for us, let's flash forward to the time of Jesus, to the New Testament. Throughout the Gospels, there are intriguing references to Jesus as David. Remember the blind man, Bartimaeus, sitting by the walls of Jericho, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. He realizes who Jesus is, the Mashiach, the new David. More to it, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. What was that? That was David's town. That's where he was from. In the Gospel of Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus, the account of his ancestors, puts a very special stress on David. And then we see throughout the Gospels, Jesus receives this title of Mashiach, Messiah, anointed one. When he comes into Jerusalem at the climactic moment of his life, they greet him as a Davidic king, that Hosanna, that's a greeting to the victorious king, to the Mashiach. Well, how was Jesus the new David? He did the two great things that David was expected to do. He gathered the tribes. I've told you before about this, but you see it now as a key to Jesus' ministry. He reaches out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yes to blind Bartimaeus. Yes to the woman at the well. Yes to the man born blind. Yes to the crippled and the sick and the marginalized. Yes to the poor. Yes to the paralyzed man. He says, my son, your sins are forgiven. In all these cases, Jesus is reaching out to the marginalized and exiled tribes of Israel. What's he doing? He's gathering the nation. Symbolically, he gathers 12 disciples who speak of the gathered Israel. At his table, where all are welcome, saints and sinners, marginalized and insiders, the healthy and the sick, he's exemplifying this new gathered Israel. More to it, he fights. From the beginning of his public life, Jesus is a warrior, confronting the devil in the desert, lashing out against sickness, disease, sin, death, calling for reform. Jesus battles, now not with the earthly weapons of David, but with the weapons of the Spirit. This battle came to a climax when, like the Davidic king, he entered the capital city. Cleansed the temple. The place of worship had gone bad, become corrupt. Jesus cleanses it, calls out the corrupt leadership, excites Roman opposition, eventually arrested, condemned, crucified. How did he fight them? Through the divine love and the divine forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus swallows up the enemies of Israel with the forgiveness and nonviolence of God. Oh, and the gospel writers understood this. In a supreme irony, Pontius Pilate places over the cross this sign. Here is the king of the Jews. You see what he was doing? Despite himself. He was declaring the deepest truth. 
that the king of the Jews, the new David, the true David, had indeed come into his capital city, had indeed waged the victorious struggle against the enemies of Israel, was indeed fulfilling this long-awaited Davidic dream. Remember that line from John's Gospel. Jesus says, When I am raised up, I will draw all people to myself. That's David's language. That's the language of the Israelite king. When I'm raised up, of course, he was talking about the cross. When he's raised up on Calvary, he will become the magnet to gather Israel and through Israel to gather the nations. Now, that's why in our gospel for today, that beautiful, poignant scene is so important. The good thief, up there right next to the king, says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, what has he seen, the good thief? He's seen that Jesus is the Mashiach, the Messiah, the anointed one, the new David. He sees he's come as a king. He sees that he's gathering unto himself a kingdom. And Jesus says to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The good thief here stands for all those who have wandered far, both in Israel and in the nations. He stands for all of us, all of you listening to me, who want to come under the lordship of Jesus. Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Those are the words of the new David, the new Davidic king, whose power to gather the tribes has finally been realized. As we close the liturgical year, place yourself under the lordship of this great king of Israel and the king of the nations. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.